0: It's new. It's new. It's the a lightning bolt! Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers! Go!
1: Hey, everybody. Jamie here. Garrett here. After. Such an embarrassing, embarrassing, embarrassing loss, Jamie. This is uh, this is gonna be a quick one, I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, anything you want to say before I have to pound a beer to even talk about what <laughs> happened today? In fact, I'll do it while you're while you're talking. So go ahead, Jamie. Cheers, everybody, to a terrible game. Go ahead, Jamie.
2: I don't even know what the fuck to say to that. <laughs> uh, I, all I mean, all I can say is. They were out coached and outplayed by a team that looked like they wanted it a hell of a lot more than the chargers did. I don't know what really, what, how else to break that down. They, you know, you've got former first round picks on the defensive line who can't sniff the quarterback or stop the run. Um, You've got guys on the back end that look like they should be selling insurance somewhere uh, given eight yard cushions on third and four. They can't tackle uh, just no heart on the defensive side of the ball it was just bad all the way around. I don't even like, I can't even attempt to put a positive spin on that garbage. It was fucking awful and embarrassing and humiliating. And I'm pissed off that I just spent the last three hours watching that bullshit.
1: (laughs) I know. I know after doing a breakdown and not even, you know, wondering almost the entire time going, who are they even going to field for the Texans? with almost their entire defensive line group out and starting corners and their starting linebackers and no Brandon cooks. And uh, we couldn't even figure out who they were going to play. And somehow they found a way to beat the chargers who were much more healthy. Uh, so there is no real excuse to any, I mean, any of this They and, and to lose the way they did, they did, which was just an ass whooping is just awful. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow here in a gimme game an easy one. They controlled their own destiny to go into the playoffs, a three win team who couldn't get anything done on the ground. And then Burkhead finishes with 149. Somehow Uh, this was a really, really, really incredibly embarrassing loss for the chargers.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. They <laughs> like, they never got got on the plane. Forget about getting off of it. They never got on the oh. plane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean to give up 149 rushing yards to Rex Burkhead, who's what 35 years old, and he's been a scat back his entire career, and they can't they can't get him on the ground for the majority of that game. Uh, just brutal. Um, yeah, I mean that that <laughs> offensive line that the the Texans fielded was easily the worst offensive line that's going to take field this yeah. season, definitely this week, probably this season. Yeah. And they ran the ball down the Chargers' throats. There was no fight in the front seven for the Chargers at all. Mm -mm. I mean, how many like 15 yard runs did Burkhead have right up the middle of the field where he wasn't touched until he was 12 yards downfield? Like plays where he's getting stuck, stopped at the line of scrimmage and he squirts through for 10 yards. I, I just embarrassing. Every bit about that was embarrassing.
1: Yeah, and even when they did get him in the backfield, he somehow turned it into a seven, eight-yard gain almost every time, uh, and it just—it kind of proves because it, you know, we were just looking at this roster and going through the uh, preview and everything, just how bad this team was, and then to see them sign quite literally guys off the street that uh, haven't had much time to prepare with the Texans at all, and go out there and just thrash the Chargers, really does speak to the absolute horrible way in which this roster has been managed in that telesco every year talks about how strong the 53 has got to be at the back end of the roster and then when you have a game like this when you have to win and you got to use some of your depth pieces that you praise all offseason all draft cycle all during the season how they've been practicing every rep how exciting they've been and can't wait to see them on the field to get them on the field and shit the bed like they did is just a testament of how terrible Tom Telesco was done at managing this roster and just how terrible he's done throughout his entire time here with the chargers. And it just continues. And today was a perfect example of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, they they didn't have any depth when they hired him. They really haven't had any depth throughout most of his tenure, a couple injuries here or there. And this team is toast, you know, granted they were missing Bosa and Derwin and, Michael Davis and they were missing uh Drew Tranquil Excellent. for a good chunk of the game. I'm I'm just talking defense. No, you're just Okay. <laughs> I don't need Yeah. Um <clears throat> granted they were missing those guys and those are all key players, but you know, these are all NFL players on this roster. They're former first round picks, uh starting in the front seven who can't make plays. They can't tackle, they can't cover, they can't get to the quarterback. Uh and I yeah. every uh, The game plan was a problem, too, for me. I, I thought coming out, they were really conservative. Um, seemed like they were trying to keep things close to the vest, uh, playing tight at times, and it just didn't seem like they were prepared to play an undermanned football team. They, it seemed like they were playing the Patriots instead of playing the Texans the way they came out and were playing things so close to the vest yes eric bauer we can see your comments we've seen you railing jojo woodson since you got in the room yes we see them yeah
1: (laughs) i don't know what you want us to say about that uh yeah we can see we can see the comments and uh i mean we we agree with almost all of you guys uh i'll be all for a roast of tom telesco podcast i would too you want to you want to start jamie
2: right now well i mean i feel like that requires some preparation so we can really Uh, dig into the roast but okay. all right. yeah, no, I mean, look, people, there are definitely people out there who love Tom Telesco because he got Bosa, he got Derwin, he wound up with Herbert. Um, you know, he found Eckler as a UDFA, but this is a team that has been lacking depth for pretty much his entire tenure here. Uh, they've lacked depth on the offensive line since he's been here. That's gotten a little bit better, although not much. They've always lacked depth on the defensive line. That really has not improved at all. Um, they have zero depth at linebacker as we saw today, they have zero depth in the secondary, uh, man on the edge, I mean, on the edge, they don't have any depth. I mean, I already, we already talked about the defensive line and linebackers, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the defense as a whole has zero depth at all. Um, and they're really carried by four or five above average to elite level players and everybody else is just not very good. Um, you know running alohi gilman out there i lost track i was trying to keep track of how many tackles he missed today he was awful couldn't cover um at all on third down couldn't hang with any of the tight ends for the for the texans uh he just looked lost all day long harris number 28 was awful uh they long ran turn. Bassey out there he wasn't any better uh they they didn't have enough speed at the second and third levels to run with the with the texans receivers at all Mm -hmm. that was a huge issue all day long uh they just and they they were so conservative probably because they didn't trust the back end to do their jobs enough that they just never really went after a rookie quarterback in davis mills so that everything about yeah game plan was bad lack of depth is awful everything about this game was just brutal
1: yeah and one of it being kenneth murray of course who got his time to shine as an edge player this week with Joey bosa out and, uh, of course they ran, it took them eight plays to figure out they could just run right at him and, uh, got that Burkhead touchdown early on. There was that terrible blown coverage on Brevin Jordan, where he's right there and bites on the fake and he gets a first down and then he's got a holding call on a screen that he sniffed out just fine, but, uh, couldn't stop. Uh, couldn't help himself to hold Burkhead, even though it wasn't going to be a big gain anyway, cause he was right there. It was just, uh, it was all terrible, and I, there, I don't know, I don't know where to go because there's so everything. I there wasn't a lot of good takeaways from this game, to be quite honest. I don't, I don't know what what we can come on here and say was good, uh, but like, it just, you know, you can't complain about. You know, there was a lot of things on Twitter about. Well, these are Chargers' deaf players, and if the Stars were starting, I mean, the Texans have more guys signed off the street than the Chargers did, so it's not like, you know, that's an excuse. At all. They just they weren't fast enough to keep up with them. They could not get off the field on third down. That was just a fucking issue today, all day. And um I, you know, the secondary just it was it was missing speed over the top end today. They they just couldn't keep up with anybody. Uh, they couldn't tackle today. Um you know, I mean, they basically, Chris Conley ran a go route with no real sparkle or shine on it. He just ran a go route and just ran right by Devontae Harris, who you're talking about, who stinks. So, you know, I, you can't blame COVID or injuries or anything like that. They just got their ass kicked today by a like superior, inferior team today on paper, on the field.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about good things that happen, I thought, Josh Palmer played pretty well. Okay. Um, You know, he had some nice catches, was productive for most of the day. Uh, Justin Jackson had some flashes, although why they're giving him the ball, why they're running the ball with him with nine minutes to go in the third quarter down a score is beyond me. I mean, that was – put the ball in Herbert's hands. It's not that hard down a score. You need to go down, put the ball in the end zone, put the ball in Herbert's hands. You don't need to be running it there. That's like the fourth best option for who you're going to have, the, who's, who you're going to put the ball in their hands at that point of the game. Um, I'm so deflated right now. I, this should have been an easy game. Even with COVID this should have been an yeah. easy game.
1: Yeah. Well, I've, of course of yeah. Yeah. I'm, I made a joke that, uh, the only way the only reason that the only way the Chargers were going to lose today was if Justin Herbert got hurt. And I liked my chances with Easton Stick because Chase Daniel was out. And um they couldn't beat him with uh, the pro bowler at quarterback. This was a uh this is a really hard one to break down and get on here and talk about. Uh, you know, they they had a hard time with time of possession, too. The Texans controlled the clock. I mean, they ran the ball down the throat. That uh, goal line series where they just ran the ball three times behind Burkhead was just the epitome of that game. It kind of showed you know, just how bad they are as a team and how bad they were defensively and how beaten they were and how the Texans basically bully them at the goal line. A three-win team could just bully you score. And uh, there was nothing they could do about it. The run defense was terrible. And uh, they, everybody in the building, I knew it. The, everybody else knew it. They were going to run the ball and they just could not stop it today. And they did it on the goal line series. And then from there, it was all downhill.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was really downhill from the first, the Texans Probably, first possession yeah. of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that the first carry of the game goes for like 12 yards off the, off the offensive left side. And Nobody was anywhere near Burkhead when he broke through the line. That was kind of an indication of how things were going to go on the ground. They just, they just never got a fix. There were no adjustments. They didn't have anybody on the field who could set the edge. Um, I saw it somewhere on, on Twitter. I, I think they averaged almost seven yards a carry every time they ran it at Kenneth Murray's direction. <laughs> um, and there were several times where they had Murray and Tillery on the same side of the line, which, baffles me you'd think you'd want them on opposite sides of the line instead of trying to have you know i mean that's just an invitation to run at that side of the line with tillery and, and murray playing side by side like that but um you can't stop Rex burkhead you don't deserve to win i don't really know what else to say that yeah he is he's their third or fourth running back he's been a scat back his whole career he's in his early to late 30s early to mid 30s i think uh not exactly a burner, not exactly known for his power. He's always been more of kind of a receiving back out of the backfield. They couldn't get him on the ground. Um, they couldn't stop him just bad all the way around. And hopefully some of these guys get better this week because it could get really ugly against the Broncos and the Raiders, both of whom run the ball pretty well. If you don't have Bosa back on the field and you don't, and Bosa is going to miss this week because he's unvaxxed, right? He's going to yep. miss the next game. So 10
1: days. I don't know exactly when he tested positive, but it's going to be cutting it close. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a whole another issue. But so John Jonathan Franco, is it realistic to get an entire realistic, I believe, uh to get an entire defensive line overhaul? Um well, I mean
2: they basically they basically just rebuilt the the offensive line. Offensive line, off yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. So with 11 draft picks and all the money they have in free agency, if they're smart with who they bring back and who they don't bring back and they make some good decisions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think they can, they can find three or four defensive linemen between the draft and free agency to, to get a better group out there for sure.
1: I have I mean, just cause we're piling on and we're all commiserating here. Um, I, you know, every time I see that money about how much money they have available this off season, it scares the living shit out of me that Tom Telesco has his hands on that much cash and what he's going to do with it. The guy who would throw dumb money at Jacoby Jones and you know what I'm saying. Like that, I pa- I'm very scared of what Tom Telesco will do with that money. i I'm, I'm not confident and partly hoping that he doesn't get his hands on that money at all this offseason.
2: Yeah, I think the concern really is that it really takes a philosophical shift in what he's done pretty much his whole career to rebuild the line the way it needs to be rebuilt. Um, you know, he's always waited until he absolutely had to take a defensive line to spend a premium pick mm-hmm. on a defensive lineman. Yeah. Did it with Bosa, did it with, Tillery, um, it guy, yep, did it with Tillery. who was the wrong guy, but yeah, did with Tillery who was the wrong guy, which uh-huh. we knew at the time. Yep. They didn't, but we did, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they just, he he's always trying to sprinkle it in with guys like Justin Jones and um, Ryan Carruthers and guys like that who just haven't panned out the way he needed them to. Yeah. So they can do it, but I think they're going to need a new GM to do it. And I think what scares me is if they do decide to fire Tom Telesco, which I'm not sure they will, but if they do, yeah, I'm a little worried. They're going to give that job to to John Spanos.
1: Spanos. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a I lot of uh, scary just events. power, mm-hmm. and which would be a, a terrible idea. And you know, and the other, the other strong philosophy from Tom Telesco is pick up that aging interior, uh, interior defensive lineman, the veteran, like uh, you know, late early on. They always had problems in the middle of the line signing Brandon Meebane because he had a good career early on, and he's aging now. Doing it with Limbell Joseph, and if Joseph moves on. I, you know, I, I, he's played, he's been pretty good this year, but I, I mean, they got to get a whole revamped defensive line from end to end, not named Joey Bosa really. And, uh, it, it, I, I just don't, I don't believe that he can do that. I I just don't think he's going to shift his way of thinking. I don't think he's going to miraculously figure it all out. Uh, the offensive line was kind of a no brainer and, and he did it this off season and they, he got the best guys available and I, you know, uh, I, I commend him for doing that, but I just, I don't see that happening on the defensive line and the defense in, in general.
2: So I feel like we need to address Eric Maurer continuing oh. to complain about Jojo Woodson. Um, okay. The entire personnel group, I think needs to be overhauled and they need to give more say to, uh, to, to, Brandon Staley in terms of who they're bringing in, in terms of their, their defensive players. Having said that Jojo Woodson works for Tom Telesco who works for John Spanos, John Spanos and Telesco are the ones who are making those decisions. Mm -hmm. So you can certainly include Jojo Woodson. I think the entire personnel group needs, needs to be overhauled. And it won't happen, so it's almost not even worth mentioning. But it needs to start with John Spanos, because he's the one who's been making these decisions, really since they brought Telesco in. He and Telesco are the ones that are um, that are cl- collaborating on these decisions. But JoJo works for these guys, so everybody needs to go. It needs to start with John and work all the way its way way down to JoJo. But JoJo isn't the one making the decisions, in my opinion it's Telesco and, and Spanos. So you can certainly rip Jojo if you want. And I think there's probably some, there's plenty of reason to do that, but to focus on him solely when he's not the one making the decisions, when Spanos and Telesco are the ones who were calling the shots, I think is a mistake because it starts at the top. But I saw somebody earlier. I don't remember who it was. Somebody was saying typical chargers overhyped as usual. Um, I don't know. Are they overhyped? I mean, I don't think we've overhyped them. Maybe some people have. I don't think we have. Garrett and I have been saying all along that we thought this was a 10, maybe a max 11 win team. They've still got a chance to win 10 games and make the playoffs. Um, first year with Staley and a new coaching staff, new defensive scheme, new offensive scheme, new special teams coordinator, they're still building the roster in in Staley's vision. Hopefully he gets a lot more say in how that goes. Um, I don't know that this team is overhyped. Maybe some people had unrealistic expectations for them based on some of the games that they played. I think we've seen that they're capable of beating pretty much anybody in the league on any given week, as cliche as that is. Um, but they're also capable of beating themselves or losing to anybody in any given week. They're still they're still shaking the stink of Gus and, and uh, Steichen and Lynn. So there's still work to be done. This roster is not complete yet. This roster needs a lot of work still, uh, particularly in spots, I would say like 40 through 53, those depth pieces that are contributing on special teams and need to help out on offense and defense. Those roster spots, you can even go deeper than that, maybe 35 to 53. Those roster spots need to be built out quite a bit. Uh, They have precious little depth at wide receiver, at running back, in the secondary, at linebacker, on the defensive line, on the offensive line. All these areas need to be addressed. I don't know if they can address all of them in one offseason, but I do think they can fix the defensive line if they go about it the right way. And they need to give Staley a lot of say in how that happens, in my opinion.
1: K. Rich wants to talk about why we blame John Spanos for calling the shots for years, then in the same tongue say Telesco is calling the shots.
2: I think I just said they both need to go.
1: <laughs> I, I think we've said that for a long time, Jamie. They
2: they both need to go. They're not both going to go. Telesco is is Spanos's safety net, but at the end of the day, Sp- Telesco is the GM. So, and they're not going to fire this the, the owner's son. So, if this team doesn't have depth, and this team doesn't have the pieces it needs to hang when they start getting injuries or illnesses, then that falls on the GM who is ultimately responsible for player personnel decisions, at least in the greater scheme of things and how the, the corporate ladder works in the NFL. He's had three coaching hires. He's been here for nine years. They've had one postseason appearance in nine years, right? One. Mm. Two
1: one with each. Yeah. One with McCoy, one one with Lynn,
2: one with McCoy and one with Lynn. So two, two postseason appearances in nine years, maybe working on a third this year. We'll see how that works out, but they've got an uphill battle to fight. Um, he has not had, he, in my opinion, he had not done enough to earn the right to be, to participate in a third coaching hire. Um, and he seemed like a guy to me when they, when they were going through the process of firing Lynn and hiring Staley, he seemed like a guy who was defeated, almost like he felt like his head was next on the chopping block last off season. So I, I think they've had that conversation. They're not going to fire John Spanos. And if they need to make a change to show that they're trying to fix things, it's going to be Telesco. Mm-hmm. So they're both at fault, but Telesco is the one that's going to take the fall. Yeah. He'll be the fall. And guy. he's a GM. That's, that's how it works.
1: Yeah. That's, that's easy. And it's, and it's good for optics. It's easy to have a fall guy like Telesco. And, uh, I mean, I, I just feel like we have this conversation almost every season, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Telesco <laughs> and Spanos. Um, so what what do you think about the whole Derwin james thing? He was, he was going to be able to play only in emergency services. Uh, it got out of hand. There was a time where they could come back near the fourth quarter. Would you have played Derwin there? Or do you think they made the right call in not playing him?
2: I think it depends on your definition of emergency and uh, James Lofton said something towards the end of the game that I think is what they meant by emergency. I don't think emergency was defined by a game situation in terms of the score or the opportunity to come back or lose or whatever. I think emergency was defined by, did they have enough healthy bodies there that they didn't have to throw him out there. And I think in their mind, it was more valuable for them to give him another week to rest his hamstring and run Bassey and, and, uh, Harris and those guys out there and just see if they could hang. Now they didn't hang, but they were still technically healthy, even though they, they suck, they were still healthy and there wasn't a physical need to bring Derwin out there and risk the hamstring and risk losing him for the next two weeks or beyond. So I think if you're dealing with somebody who's that important to the defense and you're still technically in the game, you still technically have a chance to win the game. I think you roll the dice, you let him sit and you try to save him for the next two weeks and beyond, as opposed to risk him tearing or pulling something and being lost for the next two weeks. And then you're totally screwed. Yeah. Uh, what do you think?
1: I uh, would just, well, I didn't, I don't know. I think Derwin obviously makes a difference, but I, I just felt like he shouldn't have played this game no matter what. And I think everybody thought that he was like the going to be that secret weapon that was unveiled in the, end of the third quarter going into the fourth quarter and that he was going to fix everything. And I just, I didn't think that was what the plan was. It felt like, uh, they, they had him active, but I, you know, they didn't want to re injure him in this game that they knew that, well, they thought they could uh, just coast through and win. Um, but you know, I just don't, I didn't think he wasn't that like loaded gun for me. Everybody on Twitter was like, where's Derwin? Why isn't he in like about the second quarter right before the half when things were going, little sideways it's like all right time to play derwin in the second half but i i didn't think it was going to go that way but everybody thought that he was going to be the Charger's secret weapon going to the second half
2: yeah I, I don't think that was ever the plan either um i just think that whole like available in case of emergency thing was misinterpreted and built into something that it was never intended to be built into i don't think they had any intention of playing him unless there were so many injuries during or illnesses during the game that they just had to put him on the field And like I said, he's more valuable down the stretch than anybody. So if giving him this next week off, giving him today off and giving him a few days off this week helps get him ready for next weekend, then that's, I think that's the direction you have to go.
1: So vile productions wants to talk about that throw that was intercepted towards the end of the first half, uh, that home run throw before the half got picked and it changed the game. It's on Herbert for the throw, but Lombardi, why? You're driving, close out the half and get points. I don't get it. I don't think it was that bad of a play. He had him open. He was just late. I don't think that's on Lombardi. Uh, I think it was a perfect chance to take a take a chance downfield, and he had him. He just threw it about two seconds too late. And he let the DB catch up with him. If he throws that a half second, or second and a half, two seconds earlier, that's six, and that's a totally different game, and they closed out the half a different way, but you know, I, I don't blame Lombardi for that play. I think it was a good play and they had him open.
2: Yeah. um, So I don't know if I'm sure everybody here follows me on Twitter, but when, when that happened, my initial reaction was, Hey, I need to see it all on all 22, but I'm pretty sure I can tell you what happened without seeing it. And that is, they got a cover two look. They tried to split the safeties with cover two. There was nothing about Herbert that looked overly comfortable or confident when he was going through his progressions on that play. You could tell he wanted to get that flag route to Keenan on the sideline. He bailed on it. He came back. He waited and hesitated before he let the ball, the throw go to, to Palmer up the middle. That throw was there, but that cover two look continues to give Herbert problems. I've showed it on film study several times. It's there. It's been there all season. He's kind of worked through it the last few weeks and it popped up again. He was just late. He didn't see it. He didn't trust it. It was late coming out. And the safety was able to undercut it and make the play. That's not on Lombardi. He he made a good play call. You know, we spend all season talking about they're throwing the ball. You know, five yards. They're throwing it short. They're throwing it short. He's got this great arm. Why don't you want to take this, the shot down the field? And then they take the shot down the field. And it's why why we're driving the ball. Why would you do that? The play worked. He was open. Palmer was open. It was just a late throw by Herbert. And the safety made a good play on the football. That happens. But the the I think the crux of that is still the issues that Herbert has with cover Two. anytime he gets those two high safeties, he tends to hold the ball and hesitate a little bit. He'll be a little bit late getting rid of it and it showed up and they made a play. It happens, but that's not on Lombardi at all. That was a well-timed, well-called deep pass, something that I would have liked to see more of earlier in the game. I thought they were really conservative with the offense early in the game. Um, and I like the fact that they called that play. They were in plus territory. It was a good chance to, to take a shot, get some quick points. Um, It just didn't work out. And Herbert just didn't make the right read, didn't make the right throw. It happens. Part of the game.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was just going to – let's see. Um, is there a concern that the Chargers can't attract good player personnel with Spanos running the department? Possibly. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know that answer. I mean – The one thing that we
2: heard, you know, that we heard all through Lynn's tenure was they, you know, they didn't want to fire him because they liked him personally. They liked working with him. They liked the relationship with him. They respected him as a man, which is all great. But it seems like there is, I don't know that it's necessarily, they can't attract good player personnel talent. I think it's more that they're not necessarily looking for good player personnel talent and they're looking for personality fits in the room, so to speak, more so than they are guys who are going to elevate the player personnel department and put the right players in the right positions. I just think that they don't want the ego. They don't want the proven talent in that room. I think they want somebody who's up and coming, somebody who's a nice guy, somebody who they can respect as a person who isn't going to call them out on their bullshit and is going to go with the flow. And that's why. AJ Smith was let, ultimately let go and I think that's why they they're hanging on to Telesco because those interpersonal relationships work even though those interpersonal relationships aren't necessarily leading to good personnel decisions in the places where they need them.
1: So there's uh there's a bunch of talk about the playoff implications now. I mean, they're out of the playoff hunt at the moment. Um but have you have you looked at it at all? You want me to read it to you? What's going on? So the one that
2: tripped me up was yeah, go ahead and pull it up because I was surprised to see that the Steelers were ahead of them, even though they beat the Steelers. So surprised me.
1: Yeah, so they haven't played yet. They're seven, six, and one. So, So a lot of this stuff we don't know because they it's a bunch of teams haven't played yet. But as of right now, the Chiefs, Titans, and Chiefs, Titans, Bengals, Bills, all ahead in their division. After that, for the three remaining spots are the Colts at nine and six, the Patriots at nine and six, who beat the Chargers earlier this year, and the Steelers at seven, six, and one. That means at the eighth spot right now is the Ravens, who beat the Chargers at eight and seven. Chargers are number nine, and then behind them are the Raiders, Dolphins, Broncos, all at seven and seven. So it looks like so they're a game behind the Colts and Patriots, who are nine and six, both of them, Colts and Patriots. And then it's the Steelers, Ravens, and Chargers, basically right now, depending on how the Raiders, Dolphins, and Broncos do later today, all fighting for that seventh spot. The Steelers currently having that spot, not playing today. Or haven't played today.
2: Yeah, and now looking at it, I realize Steelers have a better conference record than the Chargers do. That's why they're ahead of the yeah. Chargers.
1: Yeah. So it's it, yeah, they're gonna need they're gonna need the Colts and Patriots to at least lose once, if not both times. And then in all honesty, they're probably now fighting for that last and final spot. Unless a lot of good things happen the next two games.
2: I mean, they definitely need to win out. They can't afford another loss. Oh, definitely. They have to have 10 wins to get into the playoffs, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm assuming that the Chargers win out the next two games. But after that, I mean, they got to, if they want to make any noise, they got to hope that the Colts lose one. At least one, if not both. Hopefully the Steelers and Ravens lose out. But
2: um, I think the good news is so the, the Ravens lost today, right? I know they were down yeah. to the Bengals. Yeah, they, they so lost to the Bengals. Even though the bank the Ravens hold the tiebreaker over the Chargers because they beat them head to head, I think the Ravens are headed in the wrong direction. They've had all kinds of injury problems, COVID problems. It seems like their roster is falling apart week by week. And they they have not been playing very well the last few weeks. So I think the I think the Ravens take care of themselves. I, I don't think they're going to make it, just because I don't think their roster is going to hold up. Um. And then I I don't think the Steelers are very good. I'm not sure they'll hold up. Do the, do the Steelers still play?
1: I they play the, the Bengals Chiefs, again. They play the Chiefs today right now uh, today. So you're basically rooting for the Chiefs tonight. And I and if I'm not mistaken, I think the Chargers have a better conference record than the Ravens and would jump up to 7. If the Steelers so the lose, the
2: Steelers have the Browns and the Ravens and it seems like both those teams are circling the drain too. I think the Ravens and the Browns are both circling the drain. In my opinion, I don't think either one of them is going to finish in the playoff picture the way they're playing. So <laughs> that's not very encouraging with the Steelers holding the better conference record. You, you really need the Steelers to lose one or both of those games down the stretch for the chargers to have a chance. Otherwise, if the Steelers win both those games, the chargers, even if they went out, they're probably done. Yeah. Unless something happens ahead of the Steelers that re- pushes both those teams up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So at the moment, you're rooting for the chiefs to beat the Steelers tonight. That's a, that's a start. Then after that, just kind of see where they fall after that. But there's no doubt they have to win the next two games. Absolutely have to, if they want to think about playoffs and man, if they don't make the playoffs and they went this year to being one of the best teams in the AFC to out of the playoffs, that'd be just a terrible collapse. And then uh, terrible for the draft spot too. Just I mean, with no payoff and not making the playoffs, that would suck. So right now it's Chiefs.
2: Rooting for the Chiefs. Which sucks in and of itself.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. Um, All right, well, I think um, I think we're good here. Anything else you want to add before we? uh, Chiefs are up seven to nothing right now. Les says it's a good start uh anything you want to say before we get out of here i think this is i think this is good i mean this was uh as bad of a loss as i could remember maybe one of the worst losses of the year uh definitely for the chargers if not in the nfl in my opinion but uh anything uh you want to add before we get out of here
2: yeah the one thing we haven't talked about yet that i wanted to bring up is okay. the the failure to go for it on fourth down failure is not the right word but the decisions Mm -hmm. not to go for it on fourth down on the Chargers' first two possessions. So, you know, last year, last week, the Chargers went for it five times on fourth down. Staley was heavily criticized for it. He had his press conference and said, hey, this is who we are. Mm -hmm. We're going to trust the ball in in Justin Herbert's hands. We're going to roll the dice in these situations because we feel like they give us the best chance to win. Now, he's making those decisions against teams like the Chiefs who are a good football team in games. The chargers have to have in, mm-hmm. in the division. And then they have two situations. First drive. It was fourth and seven from the 32, the, the Texans, 32. Yep. Mm-hmm. Second drive. It was fourth and five from the 28. Now this is a tight, this is a Texans defense. It was missing. Everybody pretty much its entire <laughs> defensive line and <laughs> half its starters. Um, so, this is a game that you have to have. It's a game that you expect to win. Uh, And it's a game that I think you're understanding with the state of the defense that you need to score points. So to not go for it on fourth down in both those situations to me was really confusing considering what they've done all year and what their, their identity has been all year. And Staley thumping his chest about this is who we are Mm -hmm. just what four days ago. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm to go from that to this is really confusing because now you know you're ha- you're already having a hard time developing an offensive rhythm you got a chance to go for it on fourth down you have all these weapons against a shitty defense when it's at full strength that is not at full strength and you're not trusting it you're not trusting the ball in Herbert's hands in those situations i just i don't understand
1: that I don't, yeah i don't get it that's a tough one it felt almost all day today That and I've used this word too much, but the Chargers could just coast to a win today. And they felt like, oh, we can just settle for a couple field goals and we'll come back and win this game. And just did not, I don't want to say didn't take them seriously, but just weren't um weren't as aggressive as they were against better teams. They just thought they could ultimately win this game no matter what, because they were more talented and they should have. But uh yeah, Staley wasn't as aggressive as he usually is, and it kind of cost him in multiple aspects today, and uh they ended up getting their ass kicked. So yeah, it was a, it was a weird one because I really, I i was, I was excited for Staley going. I mean, this is, I didn't think any of those fourth down calls were wrong. Uh, last week, there was one where we kind of questioned before halftime. They should have maybe taken the points there, but you know, for the most part, it was, I, I didn't have any problems with it and that he, he backed it up and said, this is who we are. You can't blame a guy for being aggressive. And this day they weren't aggressive and they ended up losing. So I, I, completely understand what you're saying and yeah i'm glad you got that in before we got out of here um somebody just said something oh ravens play the rams next week so they have a pretty tough schedule chargers uh, who know i you know i want to say they don't have a tough schedule but they just lost the texans so who knows they just got to win out no matter what all right guys uh that's gonna do it for us appreciate you guys a lot more people here than i thought jamie and i almost didn't do this because who the hell wanted to talk about that game here we are 40 minutes later and you guys are still sticking with us thanks so much uh make sure you subscribe and everything else and we will talk to you guys later
2: thanks everybody thanks guys